ways to engage with cryptocurrency during your day and week one of the best ways is to follow us on our social channels you can check us out on twitter youtube instagram linkedin facebook and tiktok we even have a private telegram channel for all of those who check into our weekly clubhouse sessions so if you aren't following us yet or had a chance to see our latest content please give us a follow today you can find the links to our socials in our show notes and on our website At a FIO protocol, uh, we have a usability layer that, that's making crypto easier to use no matter which cryptocurrency people are trying to use. And I'm going to turn it over to let George and Quinn introduce themselves. George, why don't you go, ahead, go first? Yeah, sure. Um, so thank you for having us, Richard. This is awesome. Love to be back in person, uh, especially with a crowd that's interested in, uh, you know, probably one of the biggest things that I nerd out about. Uh, but yeah, um, so George Ortiz, um, I run the Powder Keg Collective. Uh, what we've done is uh, utilize the Curios technology to tokenize an in real life bar. Uh, and that is pro- the Genesis project to tokenize a 30-acre property in the heart of Houston, Texas. Um, That bar, basically the tokenization of it, it was done through NFTs. Those NFTs will not only give you utility like the things you guys are used to, events, you know, discounts, um, but also there's a dividend payout from the actual ownership of the bar uh, that leads to a a yearly dividend check um, going directly to a wallet um, or a check in USD. Cool. Uh, I'm Quinn from Node Providers. We're a uh, blockchain infrastructure company, and we build the various backends for a lot of uh, existing protocols. We also build and manage RPCs and oracles and endpoints, uh, web sockets, all the uh, all the little tools that you need to keep a blockchain product online. And then uh, and then some of the more fun projects we do involve you know Byzantine uh, uh, Byzantine consensus mechanisms and some compliance tools. Awesome. All right, so let's jump right into it. So. George, let's start with you. So you mentioned uh, tokenizing property, tokenizing uh, real estate. So how can funds be raised for real estate via NFTs that can create like crypto Web3 properties? How is that process? Yeah. How do you navigate that process? Um, that's a fantastic question, uh, right? And so uh, the big question here is uh, dealing with the SEC, right, and doing this uh, above ground uh, and to a T to make sure that you're not getting into any trouble, right? And so some of the things that we've done is uh, we've limited the raise and via the NFT sale to below $5 million. Um, the reason for that is we're using a Reg CF for our initial offering, um, right? Reg CF, for those of y'all that don't know, means stands for regulatory crowdfunding, right? There's some rules and regulations around that, but it basically allows someone that's a non-accredited investor to be able to participate. The reason we did that is we wanted to give the people back the power, right? I wanted to be able to have an, uh, someone that's 22 years old coming to the bar to own a membership token and make some, some of the revenue that he's bringing through the door back on a yearly uh, basis while the SEC not scrutinizing us for creating an asset that was seen as a security. Um, so that's the first component. The second is the trading after the fact, right? Many of y'all, as you know, stock market, right? There's the ability for you to buy something traded afterwards. Um, we also have an ATS license. An ATS stands for an alternative trading system um, that allows for individuals, once that token has been bought, to transact it for 
presumably for more money than what they bought it, right, all above board um, in front of the SEC. And so that's how we've packaged the real estate component um, to make sure that it's done in a similar sense. Um, for those of y'all that might be um, knowledgeable of the real estate market, right, that's usually done via an LLC and you package the ownership of that LLC. Well, we've done all that documentation via the smart contract. And then that smart contract uh, becomes dynamic in a way where you can transact it. And if George Ortiz owns it and somebody else buys it, there's no issues with it. Interesting, interesting. So, you know, th this is great to see. Many of you have heard the term NFTs, 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 and you think it's just a cartoon profile picture or some, you know, th these drops that you see, some of them are, are kind of crazy and a lot of it's just speculation, but this is what excites me about the NFT space. And I, I would challenge everybody to look into this because NFTs have so much utility in existing business infrastructures to really improve it. So the next question, so Quinn, you, you've mentioned that you, you've done work or you're working around tokenizing energy projects. What, is, what does that look like and what's the process for that? Sure, so you, know, you mentioned NFTs as, a, as having utility. And I guess if you, if you think about what an NFT really is, it's, a, it's an understanding of abstract ownership. So anything that you own that, you, that requires a title, whether it's your car or real estate in your case, um, or a business, anything that's abstract that you don't need to physically possess, uh, that's perfect for an NFT. Um, so long-term, I see all of real estate being on, um, on the blockchain the same way, you know, the way that George is talking about. I think we're going after it from a different angle. Like, how do we get there? You know, that's maybe a 10 or 15 or 20-year-out plan when real estate's all on blockchain. And one of the ways that I think is a way to attack it, to start moving in that direction, is uh, mineral rights, um, tokenizing mineral rights as, as NFTs, um, and the reason I think that's interesting is there are, obviously mineral rights are very valuable and they provide revenue that's paid uh, monthly, the uh, same as your bar, so you could earn dividends on it. Uh, but they're a lot more abstract than traditional real estate. Nobody's living there. Nobody uh, complains or is gonna <laughs> cause uh, neighbor disputes. The trade of ownership between who actually owns uh, that spot is really only changing who's getting paid the dividend. So it's very abstract. The next piece is there's no title insurance involved in mineral rights like there are in the real estate space. Um, and that's good for two reasons. First, there's no title lobby to fight you about this. <laughs> uh, and then second, the, uh, the transfer of ownership of uh, mineral rights is very complicated and very expensive. Uh, you have to get, you have to hire a legal firm to determine provenance because there's no title uh, insurance that goes and does it for you and then insures if they screw it up. Uh, so it's usually four or five times more expensive to move a mineral right than it is to move uh, the title of a real estate. Um, and that's particularly a problem because mineral rights are usually owned in fractions already. If your great-great-grandfather had a ranch in West Texas and now you own 128th of that ranch that you've never seen and no one in your family ever goes to because you don't own it anymore. You just own the mineral right. Um, so anyway, we see that as a very interesting uh, sort of attack factor in terms of how can we tokenize as many of these abstract um, pieces of value, uh, I see mineral rights as, as, a, as a particularly interesting spot. The other reason being that we can democratize that as an investment class because, as you said, um, most of the securities laws are designed to keep a lot of people out of those markets. Mineral rights is an, in particular one that is very uh, closeted. I guess it's an old boys network. It's very hard to get involved. It's very opaque in terms of what, what's getting earned and what the royalties are. Um, you know, the, the bigger companies come in and negotiate it directly with landowners, and it's very uh, opaque in terms of who's earning what. So uh, that's one vector that we see as a really interesting target for what's, 
what's something that we can turn into NFTs that's going to have real value? Yeah. All right. So you guys have both mentioned, you know, access, more access to, to people. And it's not these closed, you know, closed deals where your everyday person doesn't have access to. Uh, regulation is, is a big part of that. And obviously there's not been a lot of clarity around, you know, what, what, what is regulation going to look like in the crypto space? So in these, these projects, George, I'll start with you. What, what do you see are their biggest hurdles when it comes to making sure you're compliant with regulations or, or not just you, but anyone that would be looking to maybe tokenize something, utilizing NFTs, um, or tokens, like what, what would, what would they want to be aware of right yeah, now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll save you all a couple of, uh, you know, thousands of dollars in legal fees in a couple of different areas, right? The big thing here is we, we're sitting in a gray area where many of the things that are being tokenized, you know, NFTs, board apes currently being, um, you know, investigated via the SEC because of the security factor of a couple of their assets, right? And so um, there's an old rule that's four prongs that basically gives you the definition of a security that has not been updated since the dawn of the trading. Uh, in Wall Street, and so many of these products are violating currently. Um, that's not to say that the SEC is going to show up at your door the second you launch a project, but you need to be cognizant of many of those things, right? One of the things that we did, and the reason we were pushed to um, kind of creating this secondary platform where we're utilizing Reg CF and an ATS is the fact that our dividend that is paid out, which is one of the reasons why it's so attractive to own this NFT membership outside of the utility piece, creates a security right off the bat, right? Um, and if we were to do that via accredited investors, we could go down a very easy route. Accredited investors, right, have to have a certain net worth and you've got all these boxes you need to check. But for us, that violated you know, our mission and vision, which is to give people back the ability to participate in this, right? Um, a lot of us at Curious, which is the technology that, um, that we run and own, um, believe that the people that own things are never really the ones participating in things, right? I mean, the city of Austin now is probably 40% owned by BlackRock and KKR. Those are big equity firms that probably have never set foot in this city or know the assets that they own because they bought it for cash flow. That doesn't sit well with us, right? So what we wanted to do is flip it on its head and the bar have individuals that actually come and use it. And the community have a piece of ownership that then layers onto that DAO piece. And those people have the ability to participate in whether we put a pickleball court in, right, et cetera. But to circle back to your point, the biggest thing is just making sure from that securitization component, right, to have some legal guidance ahead of time. Because if you do start to bump into that gray area, Depending on the success of your project, prob someone's probably going to come knock on your door, right? One good thing that we were advised for right at the beginning is documentation, above all else, right? Um, we do do some KYC when it comes to certain transactions, um, so we know the individuals that are coming through the door, right? If you have pseudonymous individuals, you don't know if they're paying taxes. The biggest issue is the IRS will immediately come knocking on someone's door before the SEC does. Um, and so that was the biggest advice that we got was documentation, 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 right? To make sure that you can then say, hey, we were in compliance. We just didn't know the, the compliance that we needed to fill out because you guys didn't have a rule ahead of time. All right, so Quinn, with the tokenization of mineral rights and energy, kind of along the same line of question, what do you see are some of the biggest hurdles um, for, for people that are wanting to get involved from a regulation standpoint in whether doing the same thing you're doing or doing something similar, 
um, or just getting involved as an everyday person that wants to say, ah, you know, I like, I like what you're doing. I want to be able to participate in that. Uh, well, it's, it's a big legal challenge. Um, <laughs> you know, we're working through some of the same issues that you guys probably did with, with your bar. Um, and I'm not on my, uh, on my compliance team, so I can't get into the, the difficulties there. Um, but as far as opening these things up to, you know, a newer market, there's, there's definitely a line to walk between, um, uh, between democratizing the asset and allowing people to invest and dumping on retail. Uh, so that <laughs> there's a legal there's a legal line that we know is in the wrong spot, uh, but then there's a moral line that's somewhere else, and trying to stay on the right side of the moral line, and then and then push the legal line in terms of what they'll allow you to do through their current regulation is pretty important. Um, yeah. All right. I'm sure everybody loves regulations. Love talking about it, right? We all love the SEC. Am I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. So let's make sure we got that on, on camera. On the record, just, yes. Just yeah, in case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it's a necessary evil. Many people may think, why are regulations not clear when it comes to this? And I think, and this is my personal opinion, I don't know if either of you guys want to chime in after, but there is there's a fine line that they have to skirt as well. Because if you're too restrictive with regulations, this technology is gonna is gonna push forward with or without the US, right? So it, it could leave the country. You could have jobs and industries that set up shops somewhere else. And then there's, you know, the other pendulum swing where if they allow too much, then it could just be a lot of people being taken advantage of or also figure out, you know, how, how can the, the old club get their, their piece of it. So yeah. um, any insight of what do you think maybe coming, maybe not just for this, but in general, what? what yeah, well, let, let me touch on something yeah. um, that you just brought up, right? My, my big thing is uh, education, right? The reason why a lot of us are here, right? Um, we are not the end all be all. Um, we're gonna learn from a lot of you who are gonna get up here and, and through the networking component. But when it comes to the regulatory bodies, um, in the rooms that I've been in and the conversations that I've been privy to, there, there are 17 chapters behind where all of us are sitting here, right? And so from a technology understanding, from the ability to even understand what the blockchain is, right? Some of the guys that are running the legislative arms can barely spell BTC, let alone tell you how it works. And so um, it's going to be a, a hard-fought battle, um, and it's going to take you know the community, right? And that's what makes this kind of infrastructure in Web3 beautiful, is we're all about community. Uh, so it's going to take a lot of us to come together and really push that needle forward? I think the, um, to look at it from a historical perspective, the United States has a very uh, good history of a, something new, some new industry comes up and it's totally unregulated, uh, and then scrambling to try and figure out how to build legislation around that after, the, after people have already started doing it. The Homestead Act is, is a good example. A lot of people think you know the Homestead Act was created to push people out west. It's a lot more of there are already people living out there and they already have barns and, and livestock. Uh, and it's technically illegal because they're squatters and we don't really have rules on it. Um, and so they created a number of homestead acts to try and integrate these people into the legal system because they already live there, they're already our citizens. Um, you know, they pay taxes, they're, they're normal people, but we never had a legal system for who owns all this ridiculous amount of land out there. Um, so they built the homestead acts as a way to Here's how you can become, here's how you can register. It costs you $10. You've been living there for five years. Now it becomes your land. Um, that, we, we've got to figure out how to do that properly with, with crypto. You know, they did it again with the stock exchange. I think in the past, the America didn't have, you know, obviously nearly as centralized a government. So it may be more difficult this time around. 
Um, but when we created the first stock exchange, when we, when we expanded west and, and built the land laws, the government was very much scrambling to how do we build a legal system that is fair based on the people already engaging in this business. And crypto is in such a new world, uh, it's very hard to take these existing securities laws and put them onto uh, board ape NFTs. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of a ridiculous, the SEC investigating. Uh, anyway, so we're, we're in a very new place and we need to be careful about self-regulating as much as we can so that the, uh, as the legislation comes down, it, it, it aligns with what we see as valuable and what makes the community better. Because legislation will come. It's still gray area and they're still porting over existing legislation to new tech. Um, hopefully they can do it right. <laughs> Yeah, we've all got our fingers crossed on that. So great point, both of you guys. Get great points that you brought up. So let's let's move on from regulation and let's kind of, as we wrap the panel, let's let's talk about crypto cities, right? So, what do you see, George? You mentioned your you have a house here in Austin. You also um, are back and forth to Houston. What do you see the benefit of those city governments and infrastructures? embracing this technology. Um, do you see any benefit of that? And do you see any of that happening here, say in Austin where you live? Oh, absolutely. Um, and th that's such an interesting question to dive into. Uh, so we, I, we probably don't have enough time, but I'll keep it to a couple of different points, right? So for me, on the, I'm, I'm passionate about real estate and the crypto uh, kind of merge uh, because of the ownership revolution, right? You're, you have the ability to now tokenize something down to the square foot um, and have somebody that traditionally can't go out and buy a $10 million plot of land own a small piece of it to then generate revenue from it. Um, so one, one of the things that I'm super excited about is the ability to do that. The second piece um, is the governance component, right? Um, I live here in, here in Austin. Um, we have a couple businesses in the Powder Keg Collective uh, in the bar itself that's already live is actually in Houston. Um, but Circle C is the neighborhood that I live in. There's a couple of issues with the roads, right? I have to go and call the HOA. The HOA then has a bunch of voting things. And it's all bureaucratic where I'm like, a DAO could solve this, right? If I'm paying three, 600 bucks a year, the DAO collects it. We all vote. Please fix this pot pothole and then that pothole gets fixed. And so in my mind, there's going to be a revolution that comes into the actual infrastructure of the way a city is run because it's way more efficient, right? There's less layers. I don't know if any of y'all are actually from here and you've tried to call the city of Austin to get anything solved, but uh, I'm still on the docket for like 17 things that have been there for about two years since I moved here. Um, and so that kind of efficiency gives me some, some light at the end of the tunnel. And then ultimately, the, the last piece is the, the financing component, right? For somebody that's an investor, for somebody that has a great idea of turning this place into something different than what it is now, right? Bringing a collective together to bring those funds and put them in place for everybody to have that vision and raising it in a legal manner is, is transformative, right? Because now you no longer have to go look for that lead investor, seed guy, VC, and then the other guy that now rule most of the options that you have via, via the, uh, the, the roadmap of your company. You can do it in a democratized way where you're giving value back to the end user. I think that uh, if anybody's worked in a DAO, that <laughs> it's, not, it's not quite efficient in terms of decision making. Um, hopefully the financial transparency will fix a lot of that, right? right? So if you have an HOA and, and things are complicated, you don't know where the money go, is going, hopefully the, the nature of the financial transparency will help clean that up. Um, in terms of, of cities, I, 
I'm excited about less about cities in America and more about charter cities and special economic zones. Um, especially if we want to tokenize real estate, uh, that won't make sense until we've had solid demonstrations of it other places. Um, so if you look at you know ZA in Honduras or or um, some of the other projects that they've got going on internationally, where they have uh, very much almost um, experiments in what how a city can be governed or how a city can be built, I think those are the best places for us to build a. You know, the real estate is all going to be tokenized. Your identity could potentially be tokenized. Your method of voting um, on the on the council or, or for who you know, mayor or governor or whatever, could all be uh, tokenized along with your identity. That's that's an interesting experimental zone and where we can try all these different projects, um, and then hopefully start to adopt some of them as they work. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're definitely a ways away when it comes to that, but it's it's exciting to see. Um, I guess, you know, we'll wrap it up with any last thoughts. Uh, guys, I'd, I'll start with you, George. Maybe let everybody know, for one, where can they find out more about what you do, uh, what your, you know, what your project is, and with Powder Keg and other things you're working on? For sure, yeah. Um, yeah, so, so you know, the Powder Keg Collective uh, is, a, is a personal project of mine. The, the website's powderkegcollective.xyz. Um, you can go check out everything that we're up to there. And like I said, it's it's the genesis of project of a 30,000 uh, acre, or sorry, excuse me, 30 acre plot of land where actually the Cannon, which is one of the largest co-working spaces in the state of Texas, is located. It's the reason why we started the bar. Um, but go check us out. Uh, I'm also part of Curios, um, which is, uh, in our mind, the easiest onboarding tools to get engaged with uh, the NFT and the Web3 space, right? What we've done in our mission and vision is to simplify the entire process, uh, low code, no code, right? From minting tokens to be able to create smart contracts um, and having people utilize credit cards and debit cards for transactions. Um, and so this was one of our showcases in the real estate world. We actually have a booth back there, so you could come say hi and we can vibe on any and everything in this space. Thank you, guys. Yeah, Quinn, same. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're working on um, tokenizing mineral rights to try and raise funds for different local energy projects, um, you know, focusing on building uh, building power for America at the same time as uh, tokenizing the mineral rights with a long-term goal of Bitcoin-denominated um, bonds for these projects. Uh, but right now, we build RPCs and nodes. Um, we're node providers, so if you guys need help with that or if you're um, you know, raising money for a new tech product and you need RPCs and web sockets and stuff like that, we have a product for that. So, anyway, thanks for uh, the platform. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Um, all right. Turn it back over to Mr. Richard Carthon. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cryptocurrent. Cryptocurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the Cryptocurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. This show and any other Cryptocurrent production is exclusively for informational purposes. Hey, Cryptocurrent crew, we want to give a quick shout out to all of our faithful listeners out there. It's been an amazing journey, and we really appreciate your support throughout the years as we've been growing as a community. Each episode, we decided that we would start sharing some of the reviews that you were leaving for us. For today, we would like to share this review. Today's review comes from JDog335. Great information and easy to digest. I'd recommend to anyone interested in crypto. 
We sincerely appreciate this review and all reviews and would like to ask that if you're enjoying our show, please take a quick moment to go and leave a review on our podcast so that hopefully we can be highlighting your review next. Simply go to our show notes or go to our website where we have a link where you can share your review today. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information on today's episode and all of our episodes, please visit us at www.crypto-current.co. You can also find a link in the show notes. Want to stay up to date on the latest news in cryptocurrency? Sign up for our newsletter today. You'll receive daily emails Monday through Friday that are personalized and curated content specific to you and your interest, powered by artificial intelligence. You can either go to our show notes or go to our website to sign up today. We would like to give a special shout out to our Moon sponsor, Acacia Digital. Acacia invests in partners with early stage blockchain companies who are solving complex problems in large markets. Acacia partners with projects that have established technology and communities. Acacia supports public projects exhibiting strong momentum and capacity to grow into large markets. Acacia also directly participates in limited releases such as NFTs tied to unique experiences, access, or products. For more information, go to acaciadigital.io. Again, that's acaciadigital.io. Are you an accredited investor looking to invest in cryptocurrency? Crescent City Capital can help. Go to crescentcitycapital.com for more information. I don't know if you've noticed, but the quality of our podcast each week are improving. I can only thank my amazing producer, Andrew DeRitter with DeRitter Productions, who has been putting all of this together. If you have any podcast, music, or audio needs, please go to deritterproductions.com.